Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, and welcome to the Dark Web Vlogs where I'm sharing the experiences I've had working with clients and some of the most outrageous deals being run over the dark web. The job I'll be talking about today took us on a journey where the past meets the present in a world where one woman finds herself in a fight to find out and really know the reality of her life, while another fights to put things right and return items lost a long time ago to the place from which they came and where they truly belong, and where they can't be manipulated for use in nefarious ways today. It provided yet another example of right versus wrong and reminded us that time does not heal all wounds. They call me the ghost. I'm ex-CIA and now a dark operative on the dark web. I've worked a lot of jobs and today is my account of a woman out for the truth and a truth being tucked away for good. Take a listen and enjoy. This request came to me from a woman who was by anyone's perception living a fairly simple life. And she was very well known, mind you, but it's how she lived her life. She kept things uncomplicated. She worked for herself and was successful. But more about all of that later. First things first. I got the request and all she said at that point was that she was a single woman living in a small lake town in Maine. She had a problem. She doesn't say how she knows of me or exactly what the problem even is. Although she did say that she wants to discuss the retrieval of an old relic, something that she must have that absolutely needs to be returned to its proper resting place. She tells me there is of course more to the request, but she would like to discuss it in person to go over all the details of what all is involved. I accept that and I meet her in Maine. It's a bit of travel from the airport to this place where she is, this house, but wow, 
This town was well worth finding out about. I mean, it was cool. I wish I could tell you which town it was, but Lake, Maine, summertime, just picture it in your mind. Well, I got out of the main hub area where all the tourists, you know, wanted to go boating. There's beach town bars filled with a lot of happy people and the small town businesses that are just bustling at this time. And I get off on this gravel type road and I get to my destination. And I mean, it feels like I just arrived at some awesome vacation home. You know, this house was large. I'd say it could hold about four families. Anyway, I walk up and knock and this woman comes to the door and she's so glad to see me. And she calls up to her mother who I'm now thinking, you know, lives there or is visiting. And she takes me over to this area of the house on the main floor that is a large room. And I can see that it's a studio. It's where she does her work. Then we go through the house. It's very open, very homey, you know, in a lake house sort of way. Wood floors, spacious, handmade furniture, puffy couches. I can't help but notice all the big paintings around the room. You know, and they look like the work that's being done in the studio that's there. So they must be done by the same person, possibly her. Well, this woman, and I'll call her Gwen, then leads me out back through the screen door and out to this big deck. I mean, it's a bit aged, but it's big, lounge chairs, fire pit table, the works. I mean, really, you could be just about anyone and this place would be a dream. It's laid back, you know, it has history. There's the lake, the trees. It's all great stuff. And their view. I mean, it's a lakefront property and it was just beautiful. The property, I find out from Gwen, is a family property that's been passed down. She tells me that her and her mom have a history. And, well, I know her mom is there now, so my mind is wandering. This is some house that's been in the family for years. I mean, there could be some serious mystery history here. She's already got me intrigued to hear more. So, apparently, yes, this family home has been passed down for a few generations. And it's always been a place of gatherings, summer breaks, winter holidays. And their family has been very fortunate as well, I find out. They've been and are big into investments. Her father is an aircraft broker, which is very interesting. You know, you don't meet many of those. Gwen tells me that although she's very into the investing side of things that her family's very into, and she's still very active and successful there, she tells me how she didn't really want to follow her father in this business that he's in. She was an only child, and he really did have hopes that she would. He built his company from the ground up, and it's done extremely well. And he's always had hopes that Gwen would, you know, take over someday. But sadly for him, no. Gwen was very good at what she did. But, you know, as an artist, she was the one that did the paintings in the living room. And that studio is hers. But it was seen as reckless to the family. You know, at least at first with her, this career path of choice. In a family like this, you know, there's a responsibility that comes with it to secure what's passed down to the generations that follow. Her father hoped for this and her mother expected this out of her since she was not married and could take things over as their only child. But no, instead, Gwen chose to follow her dreams as an artist. Seen only as a hobby at first by her parents, she later did prove that she could make something of herself. And then on top of that, she started buying up galleries and auction houses. Nobody expected that. But with her dealings there and things going well, she'd finally earned her respect in the family. She was worthy. But right when she found her happy place and she was accepted, there was the incident. 
There was something that happened between her father and mother. Gwen was never told exactly what it was. It was never clear. Was it something that one of them did? Or was it something they were just upset about and they couldn't agree on? Whatever the issue was, it was enough to change everything. In the end, her mother took up residence at this house. And after all, there were parts of the family pass-downs that did come from her side. And this house was one of them. You know, all the big money, though, that came from her father's side. Either way, the issues were big enough that her parents were now separated, something that had never happened before. It was a big deal in the family. Gwen would witness different arguments between her mother and father, but she and her mother did have some good times through it all as well. You know, they'd reminisce. They even went out sometimes, as was the plan for Gwen and her mother after the art showing she had in a nearby city. She was gone for two days for that event. But then, when she returned, her mother was gone. Those plans with her mother never happened, and none ever would. When she got back, her mother was just gone. All of her things were gone as well. There was no trace of her. It was like she'd never been there at all, actually. Her father summed it up as, you know, her mother, and I'll refer to Gwen's mother as Samantha. He referred to it as, you know, Samantha, she just wanted out. Things must have been bad enough for her. They got tough and she ran, he thought. And time went by and over the years, Gwen found herself joining her father in his resentments towards her mother. She was angry. I mean, now it had been seven years since her mother had left and over time when Gwen was never contacted by phone, email, or any of the other ways available these days. What was that all about, by the way? Her anger only grew and like her father, she chose to move on. And things were just going along again. But then, lately, she started having these wild dreams. She was dreaming about her mother. And she was dreaming of their attic. These dreams were repeated, first randomly, then night after night. Gwen would, in her dream, wake up to hear her mother calling out to her. So she would get up. The house would be quiet and the calls would lead her to the attic. A place Gwen hadn't even been since her mother left. And I asked her, you know, well, what was in the attic? She tells me that every time in her dream that she goes up there, there are candles lit and everything is neat, moved off to the sides like it was organized that way. And then there's this chest on the floor across the room. She gets to the chest and she goes to open it and she just starts to get it open. But then her mother's calls go quiet and she wakes up. And this happens each and every time. So she starts going kind of crazy about it. I mean, what were these dreams? So she tries to ignore them, you know, realizing that the more she thinks about them, the more confused she gets, but that didn't work. And after she'd had just enough of those dreams, Gwen decided to go up to the attic for herself. And when she got there, it was not all neat and organized like it was in her dreams, but it was full of a lot of stuff. She had to face this. She's looking around. There's old family portraits, you know, wrapped and protected in plastic. There's boxes, you know, there's old decorations they would use at Christmas when their mother was there, but they hadn't used any of that stuff since her mother had left. But in it all, after she dug around just enough, she found the small... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. 
Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Chest. It was exactly the one in her dreams. Strange thing was, Gwen had never seen it before in her real life. So where did that vision even come from? And I mean, it's not like she just found it, right? She didn't just walk up there and see it. She actually had to dig through it, through a bunch of stuff to get to it. Things were everywhere. And she just started to dig through things, hoping that she'd find something to give her a clue about whatever this dream was. So she's shocked when she finds the chest. It was the one from her dream. So what was all of this? I mean, after she found it, she was really pretty sure that the whole thing was happening for a reason. So she gets the chest open and she finds items from her mother's work, or at least that's what it looked like. Her mother collected rare pieces of art, old relics, and different things. She would pay a lot of money should someone be willing to sell, and then she would turn around and place them. Art galleries, museums around the world, things like that. Sometimes it was just a random place, but a place where they really belonged. It was her mother's belief that just because you had something of old, it didn't really belong in someone's personal collection or at home, but that it should find a place close to its origins where it really belonged with items of the same place or time. Some items were just meant to stay where they were. And she had a particular interest in religious items, items from history, found from a time when things really meant something. Her mother believed that they should be respected, no matter the religion or beliefs, to have these types of items scattered to her meant they were only more disturbed than anything else, and she believed that that was never a good thing. With the dreams and the chest, Gwen had no idea what it all meant, but there were dreams and there was a chest, so again, it had to mean something. Well, she starts to take a look a little more closely of what is actually inside, and she sees there are five boxes. They're all the same size, Wood boxes, all lined up next to each other, fitting perfectly from one end to the next. Dark wooden boxes. She started at the left and lifted up the lids to see, you know, what was inside. She opens the first one and she finds something wrapped in this red decorative cloth. She picks it up and unwraps it and finds a handmade figure. It looked like it was carved out of wood and then finished. You know, stained dark, buffed, and then topped with a shiny coat. She finds the same type of thing in each box each one wrapped in a different colored, unique fabric, and each figure just a little bit different. She was unwrapping each one of them and setting them on the floor next to her. But when she went for the fifth box, there was the cloth, but there was no figure. So there was one missing. And Gwen was just confused. I mean, all of her mother's things had been removed from the house, except for this chest. She would never have let something like this remain. These items looked old. They were organized. They were part of a set. They were just missing one piece. And they were here. You know, at this house, that is not something her mother would have done or let happen. She made sure everything found a home, and it certainly wasn't in their attic. So then Gwen says to me that her mind started to wander. I mean, really, she hadn't seen her mother since she left, and she hadn't heard a word from her either. She started to wonder, had her mother passed at some point? Were these dreams her trying to tell Gwen something and that started to make sense until that idea got shot to bits after Gwen came back from shopping one day and found her mother sitting in her living room sure it was her mom's house after all and she could go there anytime but she hadn't been there for years since that night and sure it was 
good she was alive, although it blew her theory of her dreams, and overall it just left Gwen even more confused. A woman in her 40s now, Gwen felt that she had gotten past the grief of her mother leaving. She had formed a new bond with her father, even if it was out of anger. She was successful, he clearly was, so that was no longer an issue as far as the family money and legacy went. I mean, everything seemed to be all set. But it all was sort of based out of anger, and anger is an extremely powerful emotion. It can make things very complicated. With how it went for Gwen, this bond she had with her father based on this anger could be hard to break, but there was no denying that her mother was there, right there. And out of all her mixed emotions and reactive feelings about it, she was just glad that her mother did choose to come back, even while resentful. I mean, deep down, she had waited for that day. And there was more. Now that her mother was back, even though she seemed a bit distant, she did have something to say about that chest. And really, that turned out to be the focus. Well, Gwen had a million questions. And remember, she's also still very angry. You know, when you finally get that chance to lash out at the person who's ruined everything, or at least you think enough to change things. So there Gwen was. She was glad to see her mother, yet she was ticked off. I mean, where had she been? I mean, when she saw her mother, Samantha, Gwen literally dropped her bag and fell to the floor in front of her. Her mother told her that she was very sorry she couldn't get a hold of her for all this time and that she loved her. She had missed her dearly. She was just very sorry, and it was something she couldn't even explain. She wanted Gwen to know that now she was in a good place. Well, Gwen said she was left speechless. Deep down, no matter how much the anger had built up, now her mother was here, and she was sorry. Gwen said her heart basically melted. She resolved it all by saying to herself that it would get worked out. They would get into the details later. Just let her mother talk and find out what she could, at least about what's going on now. And so Gwen chose just to sit back and listen. And Samantha started talking about that chest in the attic, and that it needed to go home. Like all misplaced relics and findings, her mother fully believed that the power of what they were could do damage if they weren't where they should be. These items in the attic apparently were of great importance, and it wasn't an option for them to stay where they were, which at the moment was tucked away in their attic. And this made sense to Gwen. She'd been around this type of thing her whole life, watching her mother many times work tirelessly at researching the origins of different things and placing them back where they belonged. Her mother now couldn't stress it enough that this was important, that this one was different. There was one piece missing, and it had to be found before the chest could be returned home to Brazil. Samantha said it was her responsibility, and she simply couldn't rest or be at peace until that was done. But she needed help. Well, with Gwen's father gone on an extended trip to Europe, something he did every year, she felt it was safe to call in for some help. And she got a hold of me. She had access to all of her dad's contacts, and it's not surprising that a guy like him would have my information. Okay, so she's just explained to me what her mother wants, and we have a piece to this chest that we need to find and return. This doesn't sound all that out there to me, but then I meet her mother. She comes out to meet us, and she looks put together enough. She's dressed comfortably and has a partial smile on her face. Gwen starts to do introductions, and I reach out my hand out of respect, but Samantha just tells me that there's no need, and she takes a seat opposite of where we are talking. She looks to me, and she tells me that she knows who I am. She thanks me for coming. You know, I just acknowledge what she says and that it would seem we have a relic to find. 
And Samantha, you know, she's very matter of fact in her response. She tells me that she knows who has the relic, actually. Something Gwen didn't even know. But that, she was clear, this was not a hunt for her daughter to be on. That this man is dangerous, or can be, and she'd rather we were tracking this thing down than her daughter. It was something she felt that in all reality, her daughter would not be able to go do. Anyway, and you know, that could sound insulting if it came from someone else, but it's the way Samantha said it. You know, she got away with it. She was just getting to the facts of the matter, telling it how it was. She was controlled. She seemed calm. She was clear. The mission seemed clear, or at least the first part. And she knew who had this relic. She seemed reliable, and it all made things sound easy enough. If we knew who has it, that sounded like half the work right there. Let's just get to it, bring this thing home, and then get this all where it needs to be. I ask if I can see this chest for myself and, you know, get my head around what we're even dealing with, how big this whole thing is. And they agree to take me to the attic. Samantha leads the way, takes us upstairs, and we walk down the hall of the second floor, you know, and then we go up this smaller staircase that leads us to the attic. And we get up there, and I can see what Gwen said. You know, there's a lot of stuff up there. Painting, vases, box after box. And then I see it at the far end of the room, with everything cleared out of the way, There's a wooden chest on the floor. Gwen takes the lead as her mother and I watch, and she opens up the chest. I see the five boxes, and now this chest is probably two feet long, maybe a little bit more. So these boxes aren't really all that big. They're dark in color, and Gwen opens up the one on the end, and it reveals this yellow cloth, but she gets it out and opens it up, and there's clearly nothing inside of it. I look over to Samantha, and her eyes just open wide. She looks at me, and it's then that I notice there's something odd about her. I notice her eyes. Maybe it's because she opened them extra wide just then, but there's just something about them, like some sort of disconnect or something. I mean, she's standing right there in front of me, but at the same time, I feel like she's very far away. And then all... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, she says that she knows where the man is. The man that has taken the relic. She knows where he is. It's as if she just had a vision come to her right then and there. Gwen and I look at each other, and then we both look back at Samantha, and I just flat out ask her, well, where is this mystery man? And she kind of goes off on a few things. She doesn't really get to the answer right away. She tells me that his name is Alex Manning, and that he's essentially an art thief of sorts, and that he's taken things before. I mean, he's trying to build some sort of private museum somewhere with this prime collection. She tells me that if she could get a hold of everything he had, She would do so and get a place for those items, you know, where they really belong. This relic in particular is one that has bothered her since she uncovered what happened to it. Problem was, she left and the chest was still here and then there was nothing she could do about it. And then she just joins us on the floor, you know, where Gwen and I are sitting. We form this small circle and Samantha gets more into what's behind all of this. I'm still waiting for my answer, but I just let her continue. She says that this set of figures represent and are connected to the human condition. She gives us the history of how they were used in ancient villages and before modern religions were really unfolding. 
They were handmade and used in one village for years, set up like a shrine to be used as a guide and practice for the villagers to live their lives by. She used the Ten Commandments as an example, you know, from the Catholic religion, which was the religion to take over at a later time. But anyway, these figures represented a way to conduct yourself and keep yourself in check, peace with yourself, and balance. Meant the same for the village itself. This practice spread from one village to another, and all was well, until they were stolen while in transit. Even today, some believe that them being taken was what disrupted their entire way of living back then. Those that know of them and their so-called powers are very superstitious and believe that until they are returned to their home region, there cannot be true peace. They also know that if they're separated, instead of the figures providing guidance and balance, they can then be taken advantage of and used for the opposite purpose for which they were created and blessed to do. Their powers can be more easily distracted and be used in ways not intended. Samantha points to a relic that we've opened and Gwen picks it up and Samantha explains that that figure represents peace. And Gwen turns it over in her hand and we now notice that the figure's hands are placed together across its front. Not especially that it's praying, but it could very well be seen as that. Each figure represents something different and they are courage, love, confidence, knowledge, and strength. She says that together these things balance out a person, but take one of those things too far, and I mean, you can figure it out, the types of things that can happen, and they're not all good. So Samantha told us what each of the figures represent. And then she goes on to explain them to us. First one is courage. She says too much courage and you could lose the healthy fear that actually can protect us under certain circumstances. Love, to love those around you is a good thing until it goes too far where you cross a line or become too ignorant for your own well-being. Confidence, well we need confidence to do anything in life, but at its max it could cause someone to become close-minded to their brothers. Knowledge, Samantha explains that while knowledge is a good thing, you can never have too much, but if you don't respect it, it can lead you to feel falsely elevated over others and power hungry. And then there's strength. Samantha tells us that that is the one that is still out there. And should someone manipulate what this thing is meant for, their newfound strength could be far reaching. And I'm talking about manipulation, intimidation, almost to the level of mind control. Imagine what someone could do if they had a power like that, what would you do? I mean, to have that means all business deals would go in your favor. You would get the girl. You would be recognized, admired, and could and would eventually be drunk with your power, with the ability to move anyone or anything in the direction you wanted. You've probably heard the quote, power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Great men are almost always bad men. That small group of villages that lived by their blessed figures, they were not the only ones on earth to think of this stuff. There have been many people over the years coming up with something similar to help make sense of it all. But back to these figures. They are ancient and they are special. And in order to keep this one that's been taken from being used in all the wrong ways, which would end up realistically over time disrupting many things across the globe, 
It had to be retrieved and returned, and then delivered and laid to rest among its creators in the hills of Brazil, northwest of where the now Sao Paulo is. So this order is getting taller by the minute. We pack up the figure that we pulled out and close up the chest, and then the three of us head back downstairs to figure out what to do. And the last piece of awesome information that I get here, what I've been waiting for, is where this Alex Manning is now. Samantha tells me he is in Croatia, and we'll find him in Zadar, that he has the relic with him. It's changed hands many times over the years, and most didn't realize exactly what it was, but Axel knows, and once he got his hands on it, there was no letting it go, and now he's looking to put it to use. And that's why she's back. That is what she says pulled her back here to Maine, to the house. I asked her how she knows all this, and knows this for sure. And her response while looking at me directly was that she'd rather not get into that just yet. Again, with her answer and how she's looking at me, I get this odd vibe from Samantha. I mean, she knows so much. But I kind of just blow this off because this is how it would go down, right? I mean, these people need out their help and that's when they call me. It's just that with her, though, there is something off. It's not that I don't trust her. And in our research, we didn't find anything that stood out about this family, other than the fact that she had been missing, basically. But there was just something. It got to me, but at the same time, I just had to move on. I mean, if I'm there to do a job, then that is all I need to be concerned with. And I don't waste time. And I won't waste your time going over all the logistics and planning and travel. But yes, I close out with Samantha and Gwen for now. And I organize my team and we head to the beautiful Croatia. And we get there. And still not knowing how Samantha knew this, we plan ourselves in Zadar. It's located sort of mid-coastline in Croatia. I have Frankie, Jagger, and Scarlett with me. And we start snooping around. Really, we just kind of want to goof off because all I have to say is Croatia is cool. Zadar is the oldest city actually in Croatia that has been inhabited on a continuing basis. It goes way back. There are runes to see. There's old churches. And there are areas that are very artsy, and lots of boats, yachts, and very clear water, tiled streets in Old Town. I mean, overall, if you did want to hide out in Croatia, this is not a bad place to do it. It's not overdone, but mixed in, there are places and people with a lot of money. While we're traveling, Harley and Ryder made calls and did a ton of checking around, and although nobody could confirm first names, they were able to find three Mannings that were checked in right in town. So we dug around each location until we found the one that Axel was at. When we tried to find him, though, they let us know that he has since checked out. He's now on the water in his yacht, which is known by everyone in the area. It's named Vendetta, which now makes a little bit of sense with the man. You know, he seems to have a small feud going with the world, basically, in which he plans to win. Anyway, the hotel clerk says she overheard them talking about a cove just south of the city. Didn't sound like they were going far, but it didn't sound like they wanted anybody around either. They had packed it up, took everything, and left two days ago. So now he's out there, and now we need a boat. And I mean, getting one isn't really all that hard to arrange, but as we head out, we just have to take it slow. I mean, now we're on the ocean. We really don't know exactly where he is. We'll eventually run out of daylight, so we try to cover as much ground as we can. We're out there for probably at least a good two hours, but then we spot this big black yacht, which is how the hotel clerk described it. We sort of creep up to it, knowing you know, he wants to be alone, but just enough where we can see the name. 
We've already crept up to a couple other ones and missed the target, but we find out that this is the one. In big white letters, plain as day, it says Vendetta. The yacht is mostly black, but it also has some red and some white, and we get a good look at how they're set up. And now that we actually know where they are and what this yacht situation is, we have to actually head back into town and get more supplies. We will be going on a night dive. We need to get on that yacht and find that box. They're never gonna leave it as long as it's out there. And we will run into the same situation wherever he is. So yacht, hotel room, you know, office, it's all the same to me. We're going in. After we're able to make sure and confirm that the yacht is still there, we make a plan. We drop it. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Anchored just around from the cove and we wait. Our plan is to go in in the middle of the night when hopefully people will be sleeping. I mean, no doubt he will have a guy or two keeping watch, but that's better than having, you know, the whole place up and moving around. Scarlet will stay on the boat, keep an eye on things, and let us know if anyone's coming, things like that. We have our wrist computers, and they are waterproof down to a certain level, which will be fine here. And although we can't type anything back to Scarlet, we can receive messages, you know, anything that she sends us. So that's at least helpful. I'd say it was about 2.30 in the morning when we finally drop in. Frankie, Jagger, and I head out. We use our lights for little ways, but then... We can only rely on, you know, just popping up and then diving back down to make our way because we can't have our lights on and risk being spotted. We stay together until we get there. And once there, we stick together a bit longer while we scope out the place. We slowly, you know, swim around the entire yacht to see if there's anyone out and about, you know, if there's any lights on, just for anything that we might need to know. And to our surprise, there's actually only one man keeping watch. Everything else is completely quiet. This man has some sort of portable device on deck with him, and he seems to be, you know, watching something. He looks up every now and then to see what's going on, but, you know, he's just there. Jagger and I take one side of the yacht, and Frankie takes the other. And we have these ropes with hooks on the ends that we can shoot up to the railings on the side of the yacht, and we'll make our way up that way. It would be pretty unlikely in the situation that we're in that you'd find someone, you know, climbing up the side of your yacht in this way, or climbing up your yacht at all, really. But this way, we believe it'll be less risky to be seen. So when we get there, Frankie and Jagger will make their way to the front of the boat, you know, after we get up and bring down the watchman. They will take him by surprise and then immobilize him. Each of us has a waterproof pack with us, and inside those, we have different items. To start this out, Frankie and Jagger will break out their stun guns. While they're doing that, I will make my way around to the cabin area and try to find the box. We don't need all three of us poking around in there because it just makes it harder for us to hide should someone come around or hear anything. So I creep around that place and I count six other people on the yacht besides Axel. He's of course found in the massive suite up towards the front, right underneath where the watchman was. Lucky for me, he didn't lock his door. But now I need to go inside and start looking around in the dark. For this, I reach into my water pack and I get my night vision. It's not going to be great in there, but it's going to help a bit. And I don't know if any of you have ever had to snoop around the suite of a yacht in the dark while the owner is there. 
but it's not a bunch of fun. You have to move extremely slow, and I mean really slow, and you can't make a sound. Trying to go through his items and find this thing took me a while, and I didn't find anything at first, and I realized I'm going to have to go in a little deeper. There's a chest next to his bed, low to the ground, and it looks like it has a lock on it, but it's the last place for me to check, so I just have to do it. You know, I slink my way over there, and I confirm that the cabinet is locked, so again, I reach into my pack for a set of picks that I have. And very slowly and quietly, I pick at the lock. And when I get the door open, I see it. Well, at least at first glance, I think I see it. There's something wrapped up in a black silk cloth. I carefully pull it out of this cabinet and I unwrap it just enough to confirm that I have what I came for. And now I know I have it. And at this point, there's nothing more important than getting out of there. It takes me just as long to get out of that room as it did to get in. And I mean, I have to just be so quiet and careful. I make it back up to the top. And just then, our little temporary captive was coming too. And Frankie has him in a chokehold. Well, I show up and let them know that we have what we need. And they all turn to me, which by the way is fine. You know, we're all in black in our suits. Even our faces are covered. So no one would be able to recognize us at all. Anyway, it's time to go. Frankie gives this guy just a slight squeeze, you know, and then lets up on his grip. And right when the guy thinks that all this is coming to an end, Jagger gets him one last time with his stun gun and knocks him out for our departure. We break out another unused water pack and I put the relic inside. Then we each go back to our ropes and we climb back down into the water. The ropes are just going to have to stay, but they're no direct link to us, so that's just how it will have to be. We make our way quietly out of the area and then we can go a little faster once we could turn our lights back on, but we get back to our boat and we get out of there. We dock the boat, we leave it. We've already been in communication with Harley and Ryder, and they've arranged for us flights out of Croatia first thing in the morning. And I mean, by the time this whole thing got done, it was approaching 6 a.m., so we really didn't even have much time to wait. So now at this point, we just have a few more things to do. You know, Scarlett and Jagger, they're gonna head back home, and then Frankie and I will go back to Maine, get the chest, get everything packed up, and head to Brazil. And when in Brazil, Samantha will provide us the name of the priest that we need to see so that we can be directed where to go. She's already had Gwen contact him, and apparently he will be ready for us. And should all of that go well, then Frankie will go home, and all I'll have to do after that is go back to Maine and close out the job with Gwen. So when Frankie and I get back to Gwen's house, you know, there's a few things. It seems uh, things have happened since we were gone. You know, Samantha has basically secluded herself. She isn't talking much, and most of what she has said is that she's getting sick, and honestly, she looks it. Her coloring is changing. She isn't moving very fast, even when she does get up. It seems she's having a harder time breathing, and all she can say is that we're running out of time, that we need to hurry. I'm not exactly sure, you know, what all of that is quite about yet, but we have no problem, you know, getting the chest together and heading out to Brazil sooner than later. Gwen has gone over all the details with Samantha, and she has everything laid out for us. We need to get to Sao Paulo, where a father, Keenan, will apparently be waiting for us. He knows where the old burial site is for the original village that created these figures. And that is where the chest has to be buried, Samantha tells us, with the hopeful point that it would never be dug up again. The way she sees it is that it's almost like the people of today don't know how to handle items like this. Even in a museum, these items could somehow get separated, and even if they never did, that isn't where they belong. 
over time, they have grown only more powerful. And if they get into the wrong hands, like they did with Axel, well, they don't care what they mean as a set, what they're meant for. They only want the parts of it they feel will benefit them. They would never be safe, and the likelihood of them remaining a set would be very small. Well, Frankie and I get to Sao Paulo, and we go to this very small church in another smaller town just outside of the city. You know, Sao Paulo is big. It's busy. And so in order for us to meet more privately, you know, this very old small church is where the father chose to meet. And speaking of old, this priest was older himself. He had to be in his 70s. He was not a large man. He wore the cloth and his hands shook as he reached to open the chest. And when he did, you could see the range of emotions that took him over. He was excited to have the pieces back in Brazil. He was relieved to see everything was all there and in good shape. And then with almost a fear, he closed the chest and he latched it. And all of that was followed by this wave of sadness as he wiped his hand over the lid. And in a soft, raspy voice, he told us of the importance of what was in this chest. He tells Frankie and I of how so many people are interested in things like Pandora's box, and that they don't even realize there are others out there. But when they do, all they seem to do with it is destroy it for personal gain of some kind. This chest of figures is meant to represent us and keep peace. It should be protected, but we as a people seem unable to do that. He thanks us for bringing it home where it belongs. Well, Frankie and I do make it to the burial ground, per the father's directions. We dig for a while to get it good and deep, and then we lay the chest to rest. It was a pretty powerful moment to know that we were putting back something that meant so much to the people here, and really, to the world, and still should. Although most of the world was unaware of its existence, we left there feeling confident that we did what we could. We visit the father one last time and confirm with him that the job is done, and then with that, Frankie goes home, and I go back to Maine. And just like before, when I return, I realize that things have happened while I was away. Samantha has degraded even more. Another thing I noticed was that she hadn't changed her clothes, and it hits me that she is wearing the exact same thing, her hair is exactly the same, and everything else as when I arrived the first time. I find her standing in front of the fireplace in the living room. They knew I was coming, so they're waiting for me. I look at Gwen a little more closely, and I see that she's in tears. I sit down next to her, and I ask her what is wrong, and she says that it's her mother, and that she has finally learned the truth about where her mother has been. I look to Samantha, but she says nothing. She doesn't really look all that good. I look back to Gwen, and she starts to explain things. So because that chest ended up in her mother's possession, it became her responsibility. She knew what the chest meant. She knew the powers behind it, and she knew there was one piece missing. This is something she would have taken care of years ago had she been able to, but because of what happened, she was not given that chance. To Gwen's major... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Surprise, and now mine. She found out that Samantha's life was actually taken that weekend. The weekend Gwen went to the art showing. And when she thought her mother left. 
She returned home that day to find her mother's things gone, and she was left to believe that her mother had just abandoned her situation. But that was not the case. Samantha refuses to give the details, though, of what actually did happen that night and says that it would just be something else that Gwen would be burdened with to carry around in her life. And she doesn't want to do that to her daughter. Well, Gwen is now sad and frustrated and with good reason. But I'm looking around. I mean, her mother is there. But then it hits me again. Of course, she's in the same clothes, same hair, her look and sense of distance. She isn't really there. No, she passed years ago, a restless soul with an unfinished piece of her life. Samantha says she was given this one chance to make things right, but then she says it's now time for her to go. Well, Gwen hears that and gets up immediately, and then I get up. She walks over to Samantha, and I just sort of try to get out of the way. I can see Samantha start to fade. She tells Gwen, before she goes, where to find her grave, and that Gwen should come visit. Because if she does, she will be there, listening. I mean, Gwen is now bawling. The whole thing is really sad, truth be told. Gwen had to go through her mother leaving all over again, not to mention how she was then left with these unanswered questions about her death. Where did all her things go? How was everything cleared out? And just why? And who? Gwen would go to her mother's grave, and she would be confronting her father to try to figure out the truth, and those things would all be things I would not be around for. Although, I have to say, I was actually really interested in what all this was at this point. I mean, it kind of sounded like a whole new job could be possible here. But after her mother's final departure, I too left. I left Gwen to maybe hopefully find the answers that she was looking for. She was determined to. And I believed that she would. Something happened. A crime had happened. And knowing Gwen now, I can't see her leaving it unsolved any longer. This job had so much meaning. You know, it makes you think about how much we take for granted and really how arrogant we as a people are, thinking we can take what we want as ours and those seeking power can just take over what they wish. We can get in a hurry and not think about the consequences or even take the time to realize that there are any. We only think of ourselves. The motives behind the box and figure were pretty clear. But what was up with Samantha? What secrets did she have and what happened to her? And Gwen would get to the bottom of it. She vowed she would. And then it was her turn to make things right through whatever means necessary. In this job, we were fortunate enough to be able to go in and get things to where they should be. But a lot of the times, you know, we don't get that chance in life in general. Sometimes what we think will benefit our own lives could be at the cost of many. We oftentimes don't even think about that. Look what could have happened here. It could have been devastating. There will always be those too greedy and power hungry to ever do the right thing. But there are still those of us out there that can. And that was my job traveling the world and trying to put things right, only to leave my client with a new quest to find out what was right in her world. I hope you enjoyed the story. Be sure to check back for more and subscribe and turn on your notifications so that you know when I post next. I appreciate having you here. Thank you for listening. And until next time, and I will talk to you all soon. And okay, 
that's a wrap. See y'all next time.